0: You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Do you have kids in your life that you care about, nieces or nephews, people that you teach, future children, or maybe children that are growing up right now, we have a resource for you. This resource was created by Protect Young Minds, and it is a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. This is a read aloud book that you can sit down with your child and talk them through five simple ways to protect their minds, to be able to recognize good pictures and bad pictures, the benefit of being able to recognize those things and to then come and talk to you about it. And really what this book does is it creates a really safe and comfortable environment for you to talk about pornography with your kids. It makes it so much simpler to create a healthy and nurturing and loving environment to have this conversation with your kids and the kids that you care about so much. That's why we totally recommend Good Pictures, Bad Pictures by Protect Young Minds. And we are so grateful for them for sponsoring our podcast today.
1: Today we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Dean Busby from Brigham Young University, his professor there in the School of Family Life.
0: For people who are single, um, a lot of our audiences are single adults. Um, and, and when you're single and you've decided to save sexuality, or at least like the pinnacle of sexuality for marriage, what um what can you do to prepare to have healthy sexuality as well as like how do you navigate cuz you're still a sexual being mm-hmm. like it's not like you get married and all of a sudden you're like touched by a fairy and right, you became right. sexual no like you were sexual all along so how do you how do you navigate that as a single person yeah. and...
2: well there's this um this it, every time i teach uh, about this bunch of hands come up and they say what about this phrase in the for strength of the youth it says don't do anything that will arouse and and they're talking about it in the context of dating like i i go on a date and i get you know attracted to this person i start to have thoughts and feelings and not, am i sinning they always want to know you know huh. and so you can see that the the this really appropriate phrase which is if you look at the phrase it's about masturbation pornography that's what it's about you don't do something individually to arouse those feelings of stigma and make sexuality an individual experience. It's not about dating. Uh, I mean, if we follow that to an extreme level, nobody would date. Because, of course, if you're really attracted to somebody, and you're sharing, and you're with them, and you're touching in whatever appropriate ways. You're gonna feel some feelings, and if you think that's a sin,
0: well, and you mentioned this, like for women, just talking exactly is what exactly. builds that, right? And it's right. Like, and it's so connected to you, I'm like yeah. The
2: oxytocin <laughs> levels are so high. I mean, right. People in <laughs> measurements, it's fascinating, and and so um, you know, if they feel like that's a sin, imagine how much of tr- how much difficulty that gets. Into the middle of their figuring out, is this relationship right for me? They could decide a really strong, good relationship is bad for them because they keep feeling aroused, aroused while they're with them, and yeah. that's probably a good sign, not necessarily a bad sign. Now, of course, if that's all they feel and they can't ever talk to one another, that's not enough. But uh, so, so they, you know, they, they, being single, they have to understand that if they're doing dating well, they're going to have experiences that are arousing even if they keep things well within the boundaries that they should. And that they need to just learn, learn how, to, how to understand what it is. And each person is different. You know, some, some person can get aroused by one thing and another by another. And, and, uh, and, they, and they, they have to, as the relationship gels, they have to begin to talk to one another about this. When we do this, it gets hard for me to not think about things I don't want to think about right now. And, and and not want to do things that I don't want to do right now, and so that that's part of it. The, the, you know the, the and so any any experience uh, that they have in life, whether it's in a dating ex- experience or as in single, and they have sexual feelings, the first thing to do is to not shame yourself about them, even if it's something inappropriate. You know you see something that you you didn't necessarily go looking for, but it shows up in whatever way in your life. And you have a sexual feeling, the you you can't start punishing yourself for being a sexual being. That's part of the problem. And so you would start. You'd want to start out with a self talk. Is that, you know, that that was pretty uh, exciting to me. And I don't want to look at that, or I don't want to do whatever I feel like doing. Um, and it's good to be a sexual person. Uh, I'm looking forward to the time. You, you have to you have to have the right self talk. Never punish yourself. Uh, I wish I didn't have those feelings, or I'm so terrible, or I'm such a sinner, or whatever. Those kinds of feelings and self, negative self-talk will just get you more and more into this inhibited place, which is that inhibited style, and then you're going to be more likely and more vulnerable because you've inhibited and punished yourself and you feel so poorly then you have emotional regulation issues that kind of push you over to be more obsessive and, and sort of binge, which is what happens sometimes. So, um, the, a single person has to appreciate their sexuality, accept their sexuality, have appropriate self-talk, and and be open with the people they're in relationships with to build those those boundaries so that they, their behavior stays where they where they want. The, there's there, there, you know, the typical single person wants some sort of definite line as to where it can be drawn as to what can we do and what can we not do. Um, I never answer those questions, they always want me to answer those questions. I don't answer them for married couples either. They want to know, okay, now that we're married, what can't we do? And what I'm not answering, that's not my business, that's your business, and um. And, and so, you know, they, because, as we know, um, because of the, the, the big difference that people have and what is the rousing to them, what isn't, and what they've been taught, et cetera, that, that the line is going to be, you know, a little bit variable for difference. There's obviously some things we simply never want to be doing premarital if we're trying to, to be temple worthy. But there's a, a pretty good range in there beyond that, those ultimate no's, uh, of what's going to work for you in a particular relationship with a particular person at a particular time in your life. I mean, a 35-year-old is going to have, that they're still single, they're going to have a lot of different feelings in a different place hormonally than a 20-year-old. So the line may need to be way over here for a 20 year a particular 20-year-old. Whereas a 35-year-old may have, you know, much more comfort with with some things that don't 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 do the same thing to them, so they need to have those conversations together um, as soon as the relationship gets to the point where I think it's going to become um, a committed relationship. I do believe that there is a tendency, even in people of faith to get engaged in degrees of, of intimacy, physical intimacy, before they have a relationship, what I would call a relationship. It's just casual. I don't really personally see the value in that. Uh, it feels like using other people to just, you know, sort of stimulate yourself or whatever, and I, I don't see how that's productive, and so Um, I'm not real thrilled about the way that happens a lot with folks. I just don't think it's leading them to a pattern where they can more effectively find the person they want to be in a permanent relationship. If they're starting physical, intense physical activities very, very fast in any relationship, whatever degree is allowable for them, I think that has to be carefully managed, again, so that we can make sure it's not just about the physical energy, it's also about we have a pretty good relationship.
1: What you're talking about is increasing all the levels that a relationship needs uh, within a relationship so that it's not just physical, that's right? That's right. So like all of the emotional, the spiritual, the mm, cognitive, right. intimacies, yeah, physical true. should rise with that, with the, all those other things, not just be risen. At and,
2: the and typically, the, the uh, I, I went down and did some research with Mennonites this last year. It was so fun. They live like we lived in the 1850s. They don't touch. Before marriage, can you imagine that mm. they don't ever kiss, they don't ever hold hands, and they have great marriages, wow. great sexual marriages. I mean, I was talking to them about their marriages, and you can do it. You don't have to. Have, I'm not. I'm not in any way <laughs> saying let's draw this line now like we used to in the 1820s. But what I'm saying is this idea that we have to test out our compatibility to whatever degree we think is kind of a new invention. And, and so what they've showed me over and over is get, they spend six months, uh, at least, uh, talking to each other. They send letters to each They just live blocks away. They send letters <laughs> describing their more intense thoughts um, in settings that are a little more public so they can really figure out, is this a relationship that is mm-hmm. really working well? And they don't worry about that physical piece so much. It's not as centralized, and they have great relationships. So so I would say delay it a little bit even in, in many instances uh, and so I don't know that you want to have the physical moving at the same pace because in the long run sex is going to take up an hour or two a week. You're going to live in the same house for the rest of the the week. All that other stuff if it's miserable it doesn't matter if that hour or two is off the charts. You, you, that's more important and so uh, you want to make sure that that can work and sometimes when you haven't gotten the sexual energy moving as fast this is not sometimes under your control but if if you've kept the relationship a little less physical you can really get to those other things that's some of the research we've we've done in terms of what we call it sexual restraint idea if you restrain the physical for a period of time um, you really can figure out some of this more relational um, can we be friends? Do we have a, a common way to talk to one another? Do we see the world the same way? The spiritual sort of meaning in our lives is it on the same page? If those things are working, then, you know, it's it's uh, the physical stuff is usually going to work out pretty well.
1: You bring up what I think is a very important fact, is that being sexually healthy as a single person and mindful that, okay, I, I'm... I'm feeling this and this is great, I'm a sexual being, but I, I still have boundaries. I still have values where I'm not gonna go this 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 way. <clears throat> what it sounds like it's it's like if you have a sec- healthy sexuality as a single person, it's not like lots of things are 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 open to explore sexually with another single person i mean meaning you can be sexually healthy and still be have physical restraint right right in a relationship it's not like to be sexually healthy as a single person you should be like oh partner we should be touching in this way otherwise you're sexually unhealthy or like you're inhibiting yourself right there's a difference there well, there's right. certainly,
2: yeah, and the, your point is, and this is the world we live in right now, the message is if you are single and you're not exploring, experimenting, having multiple sexual relationships over time with different people, you're not learning what you need to do. You're, not, you're being inhibited. You're restricted. You're, you're, um, you're doing things wrong. And the data just don't support that. I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't help you have a better marriage to have five sexual partners or ten sexual partners or however many other than with your spouse. It doesn't. There is no data that suggests experience with other people make the relationship you have with your spouse a better relationship. It's really kind of interesting data. In fact, uh, I did a study recently that kind of made me a little upset because I was thinking even dating relationships. Like if so, we we explored. Does the number of, of sexual partners, the number of dating partners, non-sexual, and the number uh, of um, just casual partners that you've had—do do those, do those, those—in um, the numbers, do they influence the, the marriage? And none of them were better.
0: That's so fascinating to yeah. me. None of them were better. So, yeah. uh,
2: so what it, what it says to me is we're really monogamous. I mean, we really. We really need and want, and when we break up even dating relationships, it's painful, and it has a negative effect. It doesn't mean you're never going to recover, but it's going to have, in the aggregate across people, the more dating, non-sexual dating relationships that you've had, that you've gotten really close and it hasn't worked, there's, there's going to be some residual pain that's going to make you a little more difficult to trust and move forward and all. Again, it's not going to doom you, but I was surprised by that because I was thinking, well, dating ought to be okay, right? Just it doesn't. More experience, more partners. No, when we give our hearts away and we get them broken, it has a lasting effect. That's kind of just who we are. We're we're monogamous people, and uh, and uh, and so uh, we want to be careful about giving our heart away. I think even even in in a non-sexual relationships, be careful. Take the time, pace that relationship. Is there? Is this somebody that I can trust? That I can give myself to? And yeah, it might not work. But if I've been careful, the chances of having multiple relationships that broke my heart are going to be smaller. And then if if you avoid adding the sexual elements to it, which just make the bonding more more. More significant, and then if there's a breakup, the pain even worse. You can see why the accumulation of relational, um, the the relations that break apart of all types would just get worse and worse. The more you add, mm. it would be it would be harder for you to then get to marriage and feel not like a little, little too anxious, too mistrusting, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, so that was this that study was just like hmm. <laughs> Maybe we should all be midnight. so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's kinda... Well, I love that
1: message that we can uh live live within the the bounds the Lord has set if you're um, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and still be sexually healthy as a single person. You know, like at least uh just have a healthy vision and healthy accept that part of yourself. You can still abstain
2: yeah.
1: and still be considered a very healthy person. So I just love that message. Yeah, I and mean,
2: counteract the idea that it's sexual um, liberal. That's what what would we call it? sexual permissiveness is health. That mm. is not the idea. Mm. Yeah. And you, so everybody draws a boundary around their sexuality. Everybody. Where you draw that boundary isn't the sign of inhibition or obsession. And it's it's how you're dealing with the sexual parts of yourself that distinguish whether it's inhibited or whether it's obsessive. So I can be abstinent, and I can be sexually healthy if that's the place and time in my life, and I'm making the right decision, I'm not shaming myself. I'm I'm making this for a good reason, Um, and I'm keeping these boundaries because I'm pursuing a goal that's incompatible with sexual permissiveness um but i'm not i'm not all hung up about sexuality i'm i'm, I'm pretty healthy about it. it it's very possible and it happens all the time mm-hmm. a lot of people marry who are virgins and they have fantastic sexual relationships um, and in fact some of our interesting data with highly religious couples is those people who think of sexuality in a sanctified lens it's a very interesting way of thinking about it so they it's not just about this is something that's bonding with us, that feels good, um, and I care about my partner, but I believe that it's it's a sacred part of life, and that it has more meaning than just the two of us. It's about us and God and the universe, whatever level of sanctity you bring to it. People who have that view about um, sexuality are much more likely to have satisfying sexual relationships than those who just see it in a more of a casual way, or it's just about the sex. And and even though some of them may have more tendencies toward inhibition um, because of maybe the way they're raised or anything, that sanctification can really compensate for a lot of that, can help them work through that a little bit better. Because think about it, if I feel like sexuality is sacred, it matters a lot. and Nothing matters more than that which we think of as sacred. And so then I'm going to put more energy and effort into getting it right. And so if there's difficulties, I'm going to push myself to talk to my spouse, I'm going to talk to God about it, I'm going to get help. And so I'm going to work through those issues and we're going to have a better relationship. And, and, and most importantly, something that is sacred, uh, think about when I, when I hold something as sacred, I put the proper boundaries around it. Uh, you know, sacred also has something to do with privacy. Um, I don't share my deepest thoughts with people I don't know. I don't because I don't know if I can trust them yet. I don't. I don't know if they will honor that. So those are sacred, and I share them with people that I love and that I can trust. And it's the same thing with sexuality. So you 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 have an easier time. establishing the boundaries around your sexual behavior when you think of it as sacred and keeping those boundaries and and honoring that. And so you can avoid some of these headaches that come with infidelity, whatever form that it comes in.
0: I think think kind of coming back to something that you said a little bit earlier, uh, a younger me was always very frustrated when people wouldn't give me like, this is what is good and this is what is bad. Like mm-hmm. I was I was one of those students probably that was right. like tell, <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me what's line. right. Tell yeah. me what the line is. Like just right. tell us what the line is and just make it clear. It will make everything better. And what I've realized is that, that that's not what I've, that's not what I needed. Mm-hmm. What I needed was to find it within myself. I needed to find those boundaries for myself because if someone else had told them to me, then there's someone else's boundaries, there's someone else's ideals, there's someone else's thing. When really like that that's something that I need to find within myself in order to be a whole person and in order for me to have that harmony. Mm-hmm. Because I still would have been inhibited by someone else's. Well, think of other how much easier
2: it would be for you to hold whatever boundary you set when it's something that you come to on your own. That some authority figure hasn't said here's this line you're bad or evil if you cross that line instead of you know i'm making this decision because this is what i want in life and these behaviors are incompatible with that mm-hmm. and this is i'm not letting somebody push me off of this because mm-hmm. i it's it's in me
0: thank you for listening to breaking the silence by reach 10 help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.